So to that end, what are some other pitfalls we should be looking out for? Like, how can this thing go wrong? We have five hours. Is that (laughs) (laughs) Maybe your top three concerns. Oh, top three. Okay. Hi, welcome to Change Out Loud, the podcast where change management intersects with everyday life. I'm Adnan Ali. I'm Kara Sundar. Today, we're joined by Ian Barkin. We're going to be talking about robotics process automation. This might be something that you all have started to get involved with. Maybe you've heard of RPA, or it could have been said it's an algorithm or something running in the background that's going to make us more efficient and take away these manual processes. So, Ian, tell us a little bit why, about why you're an expert in robotics process automation and the transformation necessary to make it successful. Super. Well, first, thanks for having me on the show, guys. This is a thrill. And uh, so let's, let's get right to it, I suppose. Um, why am I an expert? I, I am an extra expert because I was lucky uh, with timing. I was in <laughs> the right place at the right time and had an opportunity to tinker with something that sounded cool. And uh, really, that's, there it is. That's the, that's the whole story. Um, my, my background had been in outsourcing and tapping into global talent teams around the world uh, with an emphasis on looking to capture or to, to, to take advantage of arbitrage. So lower cost teams around the world with talent and skills and passion, et cetera. And uh, that industry was always looking at ways to do things better, faster, cheaper, I suppose. Mm. And a, uh, a, another tool came about that came into, which interestingly had been around for quite a while, but we sort of stumbled across it uh, about a decade, maybe 15 years into its existence and realized it would be a useful tool that we could apply in our line of work. And so we started to use software to emulate the work that our teams were doing around the world, mm. uh, not necessarily to, to wholesale replace them, but to augment them. And so this uh, is that manual work, data entry, uh, exactly. getting things from one system to another um, that you know a software could potentially do rather than a human being. Yes. I've got a I've got a longer-winded definition. If, uh, <laughs> if you want, if you want me to hit you with it, but uh, but that's the that's the shorthand. Yes, is it's it is software that emulates uh, what humans do. Um, actually, if you'll bear with me, I, I can read you uh, my, sure. my formal longer definition that I use actually in a in a LinkedIn Learning course that I teach called Introducing Robotic Process Automation. Um, but the the longer definition is that it is configurable software Mm. that uses business rules and sequences of actions to automatically complete processes in any number of different applications the same way a human would with the help of people for exception management. Mm. That's great. There you have it. So ultimately it's, it's software. It's not magic. It follows follows rules. It does what it's told. Um, It can interact with multiple applications, but it needs digital input uh, and it needs help. It needs yeah. people to, to, to pick it up when it, when it goes off the rails. So I think that's why we were so excited to talk to you about this today, because many of us are getting involved in these kinds of projects and we are seeing into the future. There's a lot of potential here, but there's also a lot of potential pitfalls. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the positive outlook first. 
let's say it's 10 years from now, we've done this thing really well. What is it doing to serve our business? So, uh, and, and the heavy emphasis on we've done this well, <laughs> it, is, it is serving our business by unleashing our people to be their best selves. It mm. is enabling us to be human, to apply empathy, to apply judgment, and to apply uh, our own sort of creativity and insight to uh, every process to delight every customer of that process. Mm. And, and there is a customer to every process. You're a customer to the HR processes when you join a company when you're an, a new joiner employee or, or a longstanding employee and you're, you're getting trained or, or, or um, paid um, or, uh, or uh, moved into a different position. You're, you're a customer of finance if uh, you're involved in an accounts payable or receivable um, transaction. And so if you do RPA well, then you unleash both the people to focus on higher, uh, higher order, uh, more valuable processes. And you also capture data that mm. you can then mine and really make something out of uh, versus the current state of affairs, which is there's a lot of, even if it's structured, it's, it's sort of semi, it all exists in different pockets across the organization. And there's, there's no time and there's no ability to, um, to to review to analyze it, to, it to analyze and... it to make any sort of sense of it and then draw right. conclusions and do interesting things with it so what can we be thinking about right now to get to this healthy place let's say in 10 years um, what has happened in the last 10 years of the rpa space is a lot of enthusiasm mm. and excitement for the potential of what is a very powerful class of technologies uh, but what has also happened is a bit of misunderstanding and um, and exuberance uh, that it can do more than it can actually do. Mm. And so ultimately, um, what's happened is enterprises have purchased a lot of software. They have not necessarily picked the right processes or 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 trained the right people to the right level, and they've enabled this um, almost do-it-yourself low code movement where you have business tinkering at IT and impacting IT systems uh, yet very much in their realm um, augmenting or, or digitizing the processes that business does mm -hmm. and uh, we need to avoid that so mm. we need we need cooperation between stakeholders across an organization we need the right skills we need the right um, foresight and planning so that you mm. have appropriate documentation and uh, something I feel incredibly strongly about, which is you have uh, process simplification, transformation, optimization before you do process digitization. Right. Right. And so those are the things that we need to be doing now in no particular order, but we need to do them all. Yeah. So would you recommend a center of excellence, let's say, that combines all of these different skills and maybe adds a layer of governance to this? Uh, yes. Uh, governance is key. Centers are good. Excellence is better. Um, <laughs> if, if the center can be excellent, that's, that's even better. Just <laughs> a center of mediocrity. Unfortunately, there are a lot of centers of mediocrity. Um, 
but yes, a center of excellence that recognizes the 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 spectrum of stakeholders that need to be involved from from business, from HR, from IT, uh, from sales, from um, from process, from data and and analytics and data science. All of those folks need to find themselves involved in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but you also need to be careful that it doesn't just constrain and weigh down any mm -hmm. sort of nimbleness that uh, is one of the you know one of the, the hallmarks of RPA. Uh, you can't turn this into long-term um, sort of ERP scale projects mm. in the form of uh, difficulty and complexity just because then your center it will be ignored and people will work around it. And you avoid the the value that this even brings technically, you know, and the savings of time. So to that end, what are some other pitfalls we should be looking out for? Like, how can this thing go wrong? We have five hours. Is that <laughs> <laughs> five, six. Maybe your top three concerns. Oh, top three. Okay. Um, how can this go wrong? Um, I do not want to sound pessimistic about this. Again, obviously, this is it's a space that is fascinating to me. It has been uh, an amazing uh, contributor to transformation and value added organizations. And it has been uh, very both rewarding personally and I suppose in other ways to me uh, in, in the last few years. So I love this space. Um, what we need to, to make sure people understand is the is the actual capabilities of the technology. Mm. It goes wrong when people attribute superhuman capabilities to what are truly uh, scripts um, mm. that, that have some magnificent capabilities. Uh, but I, in one of my courses, I, I describe, and people used to call RPA macros on steroids, mm. uh, and they call it dumb, dumb automation, because it just, it, it just follows it's it's scripts. It doesn't anticipate. It doesn't evolve. It doesn't learn like mm -hmm. uh, folks say that machine learning or AI does. And my description is that RPA is not dumb. It is just well behaved. Mm. And uh, I think you need to understand that. Um, understanding that is a pretty solid foundation to to anything you design in any way that you apply it. Mm -hmm. uh, you do need to work again across the organization back to the stakeholders thing because I see procurements making decisions that aren't necessarily the right ones for an organization as far as the tools that they uh, are able to use and apply. Mm. And, and this isn't a, a selfless plug. This is, this is more just uh, experience talking, but if you're serious about this, you need to go get help. Mm. Um, and I don't mean like clinical. <laughs> I mean, you need to go get uh, experts in mm. this field because what you get with that is expertise. And uh, there's a lot that's learned from doing uh, in yeah. the RPA space uh, at every single level, by the way, um, from the most technical, wonky, detailed, how to integrate with a mainframe emulator or other things I barely understand, but I can say um, <laughs> all the way up to how do you garner executive support? How do you put together the, the, the mission statements? How do you design the SLAs and, um, and objectives that you're setting out to achieve? Uh, so um, so it, it's worthwhile working with somebody who's been there, done that before to, to help you start out and stay on the right path.
Yeah, and I, and I think that'll resonate for many of our listeners as well with uh, the change management backgrounds where oftentimes I think we just like to dive in headfirst and not really think about where exactly we want to go or also even really what we're embarking on. So I just love what you've said and really managing expectations sounds like a big part of it because I'll be honest, I think the first time I heard robotics process automation, I imagined like a robot coworker. I mean, that, that's what I um, had an image of in my mind. And I think some people truly think, oh, this is very advanced technology and, and it may very well be, but really understanding the limitations and that there is very much a human element that needs to be bought in and understand of where we want to go as an organization. Yeah, the name is, is fascinating. Um, and I, I love the story there because again, the technology class had been around for quite a while, but uh, I almost attribute it to a, a similar rise as the cloud industry mm -hmm. in so much as the technologies have been around, but you give something a, an interesting name and you've got a handle and then you've got a, a trend. And that's what happened because this went through some machinations beforehand, uh, was about to become just process automation. It was, uh, what do they call, some of the earliest forums were, um, were like agility forums. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about enterprise agility and, and then um, process became a part of the story. Automation clearly um, helped you understand what you were going for, but robotic, um, robotic has, has garnered a lot of ire over the last 10 years just because people think robots are, uh, have a negative connotation mm. or as you say, you think physical robots or you think something coming for my job. And so mm. there were a lot of attempts to change the name because robotic and, and yet it stuck. And I think thanks to it sticking, the space took off the way that it did. Uh, but but you're right. There's there's a lot of education that's needed constantly to to articulate what it is that this class of of software is, what it isn't, and um, and how it's meant to be applied to organizations. At what stage would you say organizations are at when they reach out to you? So when they need an expert to guide them on robotics process automation, where do you typically find that they are on their journey? And this may be changing, but over the last five years, what happened was you hear about the shiny thing first. You're fascinated by it and its capability, and it is a little bit more tangible. So ultimately what happened for, for my, my short stint in this, in this industry was enterprises heard about RPA, Googled what is RPA, and then went and got themselves demos from every single firm that popped up on the, on the Google search. And they were excited about it. They were told often that it's pretty, pretty uh, easy, fast, and impactful to, to deploy it. So they should get some licenses. Uh, the more experienced, I think, at that stage, uh, vendors, software vendors, would start to suggest that some form of process and um, structure be put in place. There were lots of operating models uh, that were designed for the adopter by the software companies because they just saw what could go wrong if you didn't have a, a methodical approach that did include governance and change management and mm -hmm. process transformation, et cetera. Um, but a lot of enterprises early on thought they could do this themselves. And some, some did, some knocked it out of the park and did a great job. But it wasn't often until either the software vendor said, you should, you should get some help 
in implementing this or the enterprise themselves realized that they didn't have the bandwidth or they didn't have the experience uh, that they would start to uh, contemplate bringing in expert assistance. And so that uh, sounds a little bit um, dire, but I, I just, I found that we were often brought into a discussion after a tool was selected, after the low hanging fruit processes were identified and after some various attempts had occurred internally to, to get started. And so you have to unpick some of that and you have to discern what the, what the, the impetus was for some of the decisions that were made and tread lightly because you know, people's, people's egos and careers are tied up in some of those decisions that, that were made before you even got there. Right. This will sound very familiar to our change managers on the podcast. <laughs> same, well, same there. And, it's, and, and now that the space is, has gotten more recognition, there are a lot more enterprises that have tried it. And so there's even more, there's, there's more history to unpack and mm-hmm. to understand uh, but I think also a lot of enterprises are starting to to become much more structured about this, put in governance. Mm-hmm. And, and, and one of the things that I I recommend and champion in a in a second LinkedIn learning course is is about how executives really need to to be informed and then craft a coherent top down mandate to mm-hmm. make people do this, but do it in a coherent way, not to have a thousand points of inspiration making their own decisions bottom up. Um, without any sort of uh, alignment or attachment or governance across the organization, because uh, bad things can happen if you if you do it that that latter way. So, Ian, I'm thinking about how many projects these days are working within the agile methodology. So, the vendors working agile, we're implementing agile, and then behind the scenes, there's robotics process automation running. How does it? keep up with it. I mean, I'm thinking about change impacts and when you're doing these two week sprints and getting things out the door so quickly, um, how do you identify those change impacts to robotics process automation and maybe any action that needs to be taken? A few different answers. So one, uh, we in the approach to deploy RPA for clients uh, a few years ago started to explore how agile might, might be applied versus sort of a more traditional waterfall because as you were looking at it, you walk into a shop and you say, okay, how do you, how do you I don't know, to pick the process? How do you handle your order management fulfillment process? And what's, what is the process? Because process means something different to everyone. It can be a single step. It can be a million steps. It can be a happy path. It can be thousands of unhappy paths. Um, and so, so you've got to figure out how big it is and really map it all before before you can transform it to some extent and then start to configure uh, the software. So, so the, our early inclination was that an, an agile approach may not fit there because mm-hmm. you're sort of, you're chipping away at a complexity that you need to sort of first understand and transform. Uh, but that said, we, we are able to apply agile to, uh, to some of what we do in that process. So that's one. Um, how, once you have RPA in an organization, first of all, um, RPA cannot survive in an organization and an organization can't survive having just hired a bunch of robots unless there's a change, not only management, but there's a um, change control process mm-hmm. in place. Mm-hmm. Any IT project has to bring the, the, the robot team in, whatever you're calling them, whatever that center of excellence is, has to bring the robot team in 
because the number of times that I've been involved in projects where someone calls you frantically and says, all the robots are not working. They've all fallen over. They've, you know, what happened? What did you do? Mutiny. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it is, and it is mutiny. The robots have, they've achieved a higher <laughs> order of sentience and awareness and they've all left to take over um, the world. No, what, usually what happens, um, although that would be interesting. Uh, usually what happens is just a single change or some slight deviations mm -hmm. happened in a process or in the system that no one told the robot team about. And so robots, again, not dumb, just well-behaved. They do what they have been trained to do. And if the environment or the rules change on them, they, they, they will break. And so you need solid change control. Uh, and in an agile environment, you just need that much more solid change control. Because uh, if mm -hmm. you really are iterating and tweaking constantly, you can you can wake up and find your your talent acquisition or your payroll or your or your order management robots sort of asleep or broken or laying on their side sparking, <laughs> um, or you can find them doing something else that mm. you'd rather not have them do, like you know, issuing paychecks uh, 50 times an hour to, to your staff just because they're extremely efficient and, uh, and they're great at doing whatever they're configured and, and told to do. It, it might not be what you um, wanted them to do. So you just need to be really careful. Otherwise you get automation that breaks or automation that just automates. And uh, as, as Bill Gates, I think said, um, automating a, a bad process just just creates a, a faster bad process. Ian, thank you so much for joining us today. This has truly been a pleasure. We are going to continue the conversation on our Change Nerd community. So if any of our listeners have questions about this, uh, comments, please join us over there. And if you're interested in learning more about robotics process automation, Ian is going to give us a couple of resources available to you. Ian? Cool. Well, thanks again, guys. I, I, I loved this. Um, like I said, we could go on for hours. I've, I've got all sorts of experiences, I suppose, or anecdotes or funny stories that, that uh, may be worth sharing. Um, cautionary tales. <laughs> uh, but as, as you said, I, um, I, was, I was given the opportunity a few years ago to teach courses on this subject, and they, they sit on LinkedIn Learning. So if anyone's familiar with or has access to, uh, one of them is called Introducing Robotic Process Automation. And then a second one, which um, was meant more of sort of an, an MBA in RPA, if you will, that was my working title, but, but they wanted it to be different. Um, but the, the title ultimately is RPA, AI, and Cognitive Tech for Leaders. Mm. And the idea being what do leaders uh, in, you know, in the executive suite, in management, uh, in, in companies all around the world, any, any industry, what do they need to know? about AI, RPA, cognitive technologies, and how can they best um, embrace them. And change management factors in always. It is mm. a cornerstone. I, I think we, uh, um, we saw that early on. I wrote a blog a long time ago called RPA is not about the robot. And the very mm. first thing that RPA is about, uh, I stated, was change management. So, uh, so there's that. And uh, I also have a video podcast if anyone wants to see or, and hear more of me. Uh, but it's called One Take, and it's where I, uh, I get one perspective from an expert, visionary, author, academic uh, on a sh each show. And you can find that at sykes.com forward slash one take. 
Um, Sykes is spelled S-Y-K-E-S, but some awesome discussions uh, on all sorts of matters of future of work, life, and culture. So I welcome people to check it out. Wonderful. Thank you all for joining. Have a great day. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thank you.